0: This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this. Now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car, like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit Armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions.
1: Hello, media consumers. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm David Shoemaker. We're the hosts of The Ringer's Press Box podcast. Twice a week, we have a free-flowing conversation where two old, old friends talk about media and sports and a little politics. Plus interviews with guests like John Krakauer and Jamel Hill. Funny stuff like the overworked Twitter joke of the week. Join us every Monday and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I think that's right.
0: part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your host, Megan Schuster, and we are here to dig into the results of a very hot and mildly chaotic Qatar Grand Prix. Max Verstappen wins the race as well as the driver's championship after his P2 finish in Saturday's sprint, Oscar Piastri and Lando Norris come in second and third respectively to give McLaren another great result and rounding out the rest of the top 10 slightly subject to change after Fernando Alonso has a post race meeting with the stewards are George Russell, Charles Leclerc, Fernando Alonso, Esteban Ocon, Valtteri Bottas, Joe Guan Yu and Sergio Perez. It was a miserable looking race in a number of respects. It was extremely hot. Multiple drivers seemed more than drained after, but Spanners, Reddy, and I are here looking much more dewy than the drivers and hopefully feeling better hydrated. Spanners, how are you?
1: Hey boss, I'm not feeling an awful lot better because from a, a sporting fan, point of view. I've had an awful weekend. I'm a Perez fan, a Hamilton fan, Colchester United fan, and they lost 3-1 at home to Morecambe, even though they had a man sent off after half an hour. So, you know, Lewis Hamilton then, you know, goes out and probably his own fault. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. But thank goodness Mm -hmm. Perez saved my fan weekend by having his (laughs) best race for about eight races purely because he didn't clatter into seven people. So he could have clattered into one person and it still would have been an achievement, But no, overall, you know, from a fan point of view, we take the we take the glory when it comes our way and you have to deal with things being a little bit miserable when they go against you. That's that's the joy of sport. And all the people I wanted to do well didn't do well. And all the people I wouldn't want to do well did quite well.
0: Yeah, instead of crashing, he just got, what, two five-second penalties for exceeding <laughs> was, um, track limits? So.
1: It was three. It was three, actually, three. in the end. So yeah, he, did, yeah, he yeah. did get three in the end. And, yeah, maybe part of the reason he wasn't able to hit anyone was because, you know, you have to be on track to hit people. <laughs> and he spent most of, the, most of the race off track.
0: Exceedingly tough. Max Verstappen winning his third title should probably have been the biggest story of the weekend, but instead it seems like it was the tires. This started Friday during practice. Pirelli started to notice some internal damage to the tires. Since it it was a sprint weekend, that was really the only proper practice session that they had. So going into the sprint race, they didn't put any restrictions on the tires, kind of trying to see how things went during that race and what kind of adjustments they may need to make. It seemed like it was, and and I'm just going to take this from the FIA because all of this engineering business is a little bit over my head, But they said the issue was caused by the high frequency interference between the tire sidewall and these sort of pyramid curbs that were being used in Qatar. They ended up trying to kind of move some of the curbs around a little bit to hopefully reduce the wear on the tires. It didn't really seem to help. So going into today, they put in a maximum tire life on the cars of 18 laps. So you could not exceed those on any one set of tires didn't seem to matter what compound they were using it was just sort of across the board spanners what did you make of the engineering portion of this <laughs> if if you can explain it maybe better than i can and and uh, kind of what we saw today
1: so my background is is electronics engineering and i did you know radars and stuff so i'm not like directly involved in that but having been involved in a lot of development engineering this does this does happen where you get, and I might get the terms wrong here, but it's something to do with the, the, free, the resonant frequency, I think is the term, and it's the frequency at which a material will start to fail. So this has happened loads on on sections of, of motorway where the, the noise the tyres make against the road just happens to match this harmonic resonant frequency of the material, and then it can degrade the material. And, and you had these roads where, why are tyres just popping all of a sudden, and I think I think that's what they're claiming it's the same sort of effect as when an opera singer can sing at just the right pitch mm. and then and then the glass explodes so mm-hmm. it's it's a really weird phenomenon It's very hard to predict, and every time it happens, I think engineers are are surprised because it's not something you really simulate for, and then it happens now, there are people I know who think that this is all very convenient, and that you know <laughs> Qatar brought in some curbs that looked like a row of sharp concrete knives sticking up in the air. And you go, hmm, well, maybe that's the thing that caused <laughs> the damage to, to the tyres. So obviously, I can't I can't speak to you know whether they wanted to spare the blushes of the track or not, but this explanation is a, a legit one. And and honestly, if that was what was happening, it's real. And I say hats off to Pirelli and the FIA—they were faced with this problem, and they go right. What what can we do? So in that, that scenario, you don't want to create like an Indianapolis 2005 scenario where they just you know they have to draft in some some Bridgestone runners to because to there's zero Bridgestone <laughs> runners. Um, obviously, that that was a similar issue with uh, you know the Michelin tires popping in, in Indianapolis. So they came up with a plan, and it was a it was a rough plan. It was something extraordinary in terms of you know president but it's it's worked it gave us a race because I think the only other option would be like we can't have a race you could say to the drivers well let's see there's a curb that's causing damage to the tires it's that curb there and they could point at it and then they could go so so bear that in mind and good luck and then (laughs) if teams run on that curb and it damages the tires you could say well we did tell you but that's not really the world we live in anymore. Mm -hmm. The, the, the slight shame is there was a lot of runoff area so you could kind of say yep there's a curb that's damaging the tires if you if you push your luck on there you might get a blowout and then you've got tons of of runoff but you know what's the optics if something goes wrong there i think to cover their backs they had to say look we can't just have tires exploding so this um 18 lap maximum is a good compromise a lot of people want to see what f1 would be like if you were forced to use more compounds mm-hmm. so everybody nobody had like four sets of mediums they could use so i think pretty much everyone had to use a combination of hards and mediums and then a couple of a couple of doomed runs on the soft which seemed to be you know entirely useless for the race uh, but what it did do is it disguised any tire wear issues because mm-hmm. apart from the soft the other tires weren't really going off and we didn't have this normal undercut certainly the undercut was was not effective there was a slight overcut effect and and there was a slight misalignment because after the safety car some cars came in to do kind of Mm -hmm. that early stop and get it out of the way so i think you had to do like 18 18 18 that's 54 laps so three stints of 18 (laughs) the maths and then you had three laps over so with that safety car as soon as it clocked over to four laps they were able to go right Mm -hmm. we could pit now and then do three 18 lap stints but Although that makes it sound chaotic and initially it was hard to follow because some cars were coming in and you go, right, okay, are they, are they really ahead or, or have they just got, you know, are they out of sequence? Really once it settled down, all it did was take away any tyre wear element. So all the people who say why can't, yeah. why can't tyres just last forever? This is what it would look like if it lasted forever, just without the extra slight excitement because, you know, of the pit stop, because everyone was doing a pit stop. So. Right if you kind of deleted those pit stops from your head, everyone pretty much went at full pace. And it wasn't overly interesting on the the racing. Mm -hmm. All it did give you was sometimes some cars were out of sequence and they passed each other on track. But really, they weren't in
0: the same race. Yeah, I I came into today, you know, after waking up this morning and seeing the announcement, I was expecting to get a headache during the race from trying to keep track of Okay, so who has, you know, only 17 laps available on their current tire? Who has 18? Who, you know, there are a few drivers who only maybe had 12 laps available on a certain set of mediums, and trying to keep all of that straight in my head was not something I was looking forward to. I, I think you're right in that it ended up being much more straightforward than I was expecting. Yeah. I, I felt really bad for the team strategists going into today. I expect they probably had... Very late nights and very early mornings kind of trying to sort through, okay, what tire options do we have? How can we exploit this, yeah. Yeah, should should we try to use the softs at all? I know, you know, Lewis Hamilton started on the softs. Not, you know, it wasn't the soft tire's fault that he got into an accident, but, you know, had (laughs) bad results there. George Russell went on to the softs at the end, and it seemed like he might have even run off track at one point trying to get the most out of those tires or heat them up. So somewhat headache-inducing especially, you know, kind of coming into the day, looking at all of the breakdowns of who has what available. But
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I spent a
1: lot of time looking at that chart and trying to figure <laughs> yeah. it out. Because what it is a really fun thing to do, to say, like, right, you're the strategist. What do mm-hmm. you do in this situation? Right. And I don't think we've ever had so much tire information. So from that, you know, we gleaned that, you know, Hamilton had saved a set of softs and had new softs yes. because of his fantastic tactic of not bothering with Q3 you know, in, uh, for, for SQ th- SQ3, sorry. Yeah, w-
0: Williams Williams had a lot of extra tires too because, uh, you know, yeah. their Q1 exits. So.
1: Yeah, there you go. And like Verstappen had extra tires and he was actually fine because he didn't even do a final run for that final sprint quality. Right. He just went, oh, yeah, we've got this. It's fine. We're all over it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, on the surface, it looked chaotic, but I think it's, t- it's taught us some things, which is I think Pirelli's role in the racing in F1, often gets overlooked. So, the fact that you have a tyre that, that wears down and and you have the different compounds, which means you get deltas and different tactics, that's been lost a little bit in the last couple of seasons because they've been a little bit overcautious and maybe gone a step hard and we've had too many one stops. Mm-hmm. But it looks like Pirelli's not long for F1. So, I think come, um, uh, they've just had a new contract signed, I think is the rumor. And, but that won't run for long. So, 27, 28. When they're gone, I don't think another tire company, Bridgestone or say it's Bridgestone, I don't think they're going to come in and want to do the chocolate tires because I think it's damaging for the brand to go, oh yeah, here's some tires and they wear out super quick. Please put them (laughs) on your road car. I think we're going to miss Pirelli when they're gone, but we are Mm. going to have to look at other solutions than the Pirelli tire wear creating all the racing.
0: Yeah, and I think you're right with what you said earlier on. I know, you know, David Croft and some people on, on F one at the, or on sky at the end of the race were saying, you know, is this what we should be doing going forward, having sort of a, a mandatory number of pit stops or a maximum tire life or something like that to, you know, make ensure that the drivers are driving flat out for all of the, the laps. And I I thought this was a lot more boring than some of the other races when you can have multiple strategies when, and I also felt like it didn't punish any of the teams whose cars have high tire degradation like ferrari seems, you know fine of course we only had charles leclerc today but you know you this is all sort of part of the engineering of f1 all things that you have to factor in and i felt like it neutralized a lot of that
1: do you know what wasn't boring though the sprint race and i'm i hate the sprint race so don't make me defend the sprint race what's going on Uh, but it was good and there was a lot of overtaking you know, obviously, there was the delta between the hard and the the, the medium and the soft, which helped. Mm-hmm. But there yes. was some genuinely good racing because the, the wind had picked up over the weekend mm-hmm. and was putting dust on the track. And there was still, I think, new dust and sand going on the track. So they just had that little bit less grip. And everyone yells at me when I say bring back grooved tires into Formula One because it just makes the corners harder. It makes the corners longer in terms of the things you have to do, more complex and more opportunity for overtaking. So I'm going to keep yelling it until somebody physically stops me. But Groove Tires, less less overall grip in Formula One cars. So the next regulations, I think they've said they've said they're reducing the downforce by 40%. Now, we've heard those kind of crazy promises before. But all that's really doing is undoing the philosophy that came in in 2017 when people were tired of the slow 2014 cars and they had that knee-jerk reaction. They said, we've got to make everything fast, more downforce. So I think this regulation set, that's just undoing that. But I would like to go, you know, go further. You don't have to have groove tyres if you don't want. How about thinner tyres? You know, how about... Um, I've run out of ideas there. I should have... I should, <laughs> what about thinner tyres? I nearly said, what about an anchor weighed to the back of each car? But no, we've, you've just got to reduce the grip. And then engineers have got a, a fresh challenge to create some grip, and drivers have got a fresh cha- challenge to deal with. So yeah, for now, yeah, instead of sprinkling uh, water, we will bring buckets of sand to every Grand Prix.
0: There you go. Yeah, the sprint race was much more fun. It, it was great to see, you know, kind of those soft tires, soft tire cars get out to their fast starts, and then to hear oscar piastri on the radio and you know all all of these other people on medium sort of waiting for the race to come back to them and and watching all of you know that conflict happening seeing george russell begging for a pit stop in a sprint race it, what are you doing <laughs> it oh great. that was so
1: bad it yeah that great. very patiently going no but you can see why because uh-huh. he, they thought that was a um, you know a winning tactic everyone post uh, sorry pre that race I mean, Even Pirelli was saying no, the soft wouldn't last and they've just right. decided to to go for it and it's mm-hmm. not worked. And then he's there. They, you know, He's obviously been told it might work. And then he's going, well, it didn't work. So give me new tires. Yeah. But if we do that, you've got literally no points as well. Still finished right. um, ahead of Hamilton. But I think that's the first thing to focus on driver wise. If I may jump in is that mm-hmm. Oscar, Oscar Piastri won a race. And so after the last Grand Prix, I did admit I jumped to the gun in qualifying and Norris kind of showed him up and showed him who was boss in the grand prix mm-hmm. but the sprint race here the beauty of the sprint race for piastri is obviously that he was on a, a set of mediums that didn't go off and in fact like lewis hamilton i'm informed i'm not absolutely sure this is true he was on a set of mediums that had effectively done seven laps so like mm. out fast um battery recharge fast you know so he'd, he'd done like a fair amount of laps on those mediums and they still weren't wearing off in that in that in that period so the medium runners had a massive advantage over the softs except for uh, after a safety car restart where it took them a little bit of time to to Mm -hmm. to warm up so hamilton lost two places after a safety car restart but ended up going all the way up to to fifth or, or just behind george russell so piastri had um obviously then his any any weakness entire saving compared to norris he had that was out of the window he didn't need that at the sprint race but. Max Verstappen still had the rocket ship car, Mm -hmm. so Piastri, on equal conditions, equal tyres, equal karma, and everything, beat (laughs) Max Verstappen on merit in a sprint race, which is incredible. Like that is that that's an amazing achievement. It's just a shame that it got slightly lost in the fact that you know Verstappen obviously clinched a third title.
0: Let's talk about McLaren a little bit. There was. A very fun piece I read this morning on the race, sort of jokingly, but but also, you know, kind of taking the question seriously of whether there is starting to be a power balance shift within the McLaren team and specifically between Oscar Piastri and Lando Norris. We obviously got have gotten some great recent results from Piastri, his first F1 win this weekend in a sprint race. That got Lando to make a bit of a wistful comment after that Oscar got his first F1 win before Lando's gotten his. He also outperformed Lando in this race, finishing second and managing to hold him off. It seemed like McLaren was maybe going to let them race each other within the last lap or so. Uh, I know they were holding Lando off for a bit before they got to that point. But I mean, the piece was largely just fun and kind of covering the various angles of this. But I love the question and I love sowing seeds of discord. So I want to talk about this. Where do you stand on these two going forward? And do you think that this could potentially start to be a thing?
1: Yeah, if they are the the championship leading team next season and that, you know, in a Mercedes 2014 situation, that's very different to what it would be like if they then drop back down the grid. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. it's really dependent. If, there, if there's a, a title on the line and wins and uh, podiums on the line, which there is at the moment, the wins and the podiums, right. it, then it starts to get heated. And at the moment, it all came too late. So it's easy for Norris to be kind of magnanimous, do his cheeky little thing that he did today and said... Are yes. you sure? Are you sure? Uh-huh.
0: We can't fight. Very I mean, interesting tone of voice from him I'm there.
1: clearly faster. It was very tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. It was very yes. tongue in cheek. Yes. He had no intention of like, of, you know, usurping team orders, but mm-hmm. he was saying, I'm faster. And he probably, probably was overall. Yeah. A- mm-hmm. And again, I think in circumstances that didn't allow him to show his main advantage over Piastri, which is managing those Pirelli tires over Grand Prix length stints, so mm-hmm. change that to a one-stop race. I think that looks very different. I, I think that's the same as last week. So I think Norris in Grand Prix trim is, is definitely the number one driver there still. But Piastri is still pretty new. And yeah, you wonder, like, give, give him a season, give him a couple of seasons. Will he ever be the driver that can then match Norris over Grand Prix stints? It's interesting, man. But I, look, I think that McLaren have peaked. You know, as we said with Aston Martin, they, they they front-loaded the development at the, at the front and then it's been kind of a managed mm-hmm. decline throughout the season. McLaren got it wrong and then kind of angrily threw the engineering department at these mid-season updates. So they're having their mm-hmm. kind of Aston Martin peak now. And the thing that both those teams have in common is they're not in a like naturally second fastest car position. Mm-hmm. They're sitting there with this gap ahead of them. And the gap is a Ferrari and Mercedes shaped gap where Ferrari and Mercedes are supposed to be, they're just not there and they're not dropping the ball. So I think it really comes down to, you know, the start of next season. I'll put a bet out there. Come on, bookmark this. Start of next season, first three races in the flyaways. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to have Red Bull fastest, Mercedes second fastest, Ferrari or Aston Martin, and then McLaren. So I Mm -hmm. I don't think that... So McLaren are out of sequence. Is that a good way to, to think about it? It's like the other people had their pit stops and yeah. now Mercedes, ha- McLaren haven't had their pit stop. They're still going to have to pit. That, that's a terrible analogy, but I think you know what I'm driving at.
0: <laughs> I do. And and even today, we have to take into account the fact that both Mercedes started the race ahead of them. And if they don't get into yeah. an accident, <sighs> Lewis is probably, oh, no. is probably out there. George oh, is probably out there. And, you know, be. McLaren may not have <laughs> a single podium th- today instead of two. So there's there's certainly a lot to keep, keep in track. I, I'm sort yeah. of waiting for the point where... Lando may start to miss having Daniel Ricardo as a teammate, because if if this oh, keeps yeah. up and, and if Oscar starts to become consistent, I think that's going to be the thing that we'll have to see because Lando's an incredibly consistent driver. He's he's going to get the most out of the car nine times out of 10. He doesn't make silly mistakes. Like you said, He's he's very a solid tire manager. He can do, you know, whatever you're going to ask him to do. So I think if Oscar can keep up this level of performance, then it will become a much more interesting question than it is right now.
1: I want Piastri to be able to usurp Norris. That's where my fandom is going. Mm -hmm. I suspect next season Norris is going to have the better race performance and will still be the number one, but I don't think they're going to be as high as they are now anyway.
0: Sure. That makes sense. Um... Let's let's just do it. Let's just dive right no, into. No, I don't want to. I know what you're gonna
1: say, and I don't want. Oh no! But
0: just but just think about it. If we get it out of the way now, then then it's over. You know, then it's, it's like not it's, looming over our heads.
1: It's uh, it's like it's like a roast dinner. I always eat the broccoli or Brussels sprouts or asparagus today. Who likes asparagus? No one. That's who. And you just you get do. that out of the way. Oh my god, weirdo. Okay, see, <laughs> I, I, I've said that to my kids, and I get in trouble from my wife and I say, kids. Eat all the vegetable first, get it out of the way, and then you can enjoy the <laughs> stuffing and the chicken and the gravy. I get told off of that. All right, then, let's have our asparagus.
0: Let's do it. Lap one, George gets squeezed a bit right in between Lewis and Max. Lewis is trying to surge around the outside, trying to take advantage of starting on the soft tires. Doesn't leave enough room for George. George runs into the back of him. Lewis skids out to the side. His tire pops off. He's out of the race. George gets a little bit of, a, little bit of damage, though. I... But I think he ends up going into the pit lane. I don't even think he ended up needing a front wing, so I, nothing was too too difficult there. But I saw some people cite this as uh, sort of Lewis and George's uh, Barcelona 2016 no, moment, no, no, no. which was uh, which was very fun for me. If you don't know, that's referencing the Lewis Nico Rosberg crash that took both of those drivers out of the race there. Quickly, yeah, though, Spears. in
1: 2016, very, very different. Both Rosberg <laughs> and Hamilton were awful. Yeah, because like there's no doubt, right? So what happens is uh, Rosberg gets like a D-rate. He's picked the wrong engine setting, going, going up the hill uh, past turn three in Barcelona. And then, so Lewis Hamilton then gets a run on him. And and Rosberg just, just shoves him off track. <laughs> like how, how that's not a penalty. He just shoves him off track. So now Hamilton is losing traction and he's, he's going to go. And there's very little chance for him to to save that. And I firmly believe Hamilton kept his foot in through that time, through the grass to make sure, well, if you've taken me out, you're coming with me. <laughs> so I think they were both awful in that situation. This is much more of a just a thing that happened. Yeah. I don't think there's any there's no ill intent here. Whereas in 2016, there was a lot of ill intent.
0: Yeah, the the intent is fine and and I'll give you that. It 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 seemed very accidental. Lewis to his credit took responsibility after both in TV interviews and then he tweeted pretty recently that, you know, after watching the tape back, he just didn't leave George enough space and and he did have space to leave him. I don't think it was intentional from Lewis. I think he was probably assuming that George had a little bit more wiggle room than maybe he did. But we've seen a few incidents between these two recently and and George <sighs> you know, was protesting quite a bit over the radio after the accident was, so, you know, seemed up, upset with Lewis and then kind of came back a second and a third time to sort of apologize, but also say like, I had nowhere to go and and seemed really, really defensive over it, which was interesting.
1: No, I, I think he was upset with himself. I think he thought he might have done something wrong. And mm. and I, I think he was actually trying to, to back out of it. So yeah, they, they, they go down the main straight and they're clearly racing each other. Mm-hmm. I wonder what conversation was had in the pit garage because they got on track and, and Hamilton was going, I'm, I'm going to be a sitting duck with these guys. He's the only one on soft tyres right. yes. and they're not going to last long. We now know they, they were doomed. Mm-hmm. So that was probably the wrong choice and Hamilton was probably right to go, yeah, I'm just going to get swallowed alive. His only chance is to get up the road, get ahead and just mm-hmm. disappear up the road. And, and essentially then his plan is not to be racing Verstappen or Russell he's actually racing the back markers or the guys in the midfield that are then going to be in his pit window. So every sure. person that he can overtake and get out of the pit window, uh, then that, that gives him less work to do on that, that second stint. So they must have talked about the fact that Hamilton is on the clean side of the track. They saw the advantage you get off the line, off the soft tyres from Russell's great start on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And Russell knew that as well because Russell said when they, he was asked, how did you get that great start? He said, oh, it's the, you know, it's the tire advantage. So it was fated that they would at least end up side by side. Hamilton, Hamilton was a little cheeky on the straight. He fully boxed Russell in. So Mm -hmm. Russell was behind Verstappen and then Hamilton positioned himself alongside Russell so that Russell had nowhere to go, like Mm -hmm. completely boxed him in. It's quite a sort of classic move. But then that means when they get down to the corner, he's only fighting Verstappen and Russell's kind of forced to back out. But, but Hamilton, he's got, the, he's got the run, he's got the momentum. Actually, Russell's probably only keeping up because he's got a slipstream from Verstappen and, and Hamilton hasn't. And, and, then, and then Russell just moves left. I haven't seen anyone else talking about this, so maybe I'm completely wrong. But, but Russell decides, no, I need to get out of this being boxed in. So he just moves left. And then Hamilton is forced to also move left. So even by then, I went, oh, no. They're really, they're really fighting each other here. What's going on? Now, okay, so this is where I, f- I flip into a bog-eyed Hamilton fan mode, okay? Mm, so okay. like fully, ad- fully admit let's I'm a Hamilton fan, right? Mm-hmm. So he they go down into the corner. Hamilton just breaks so much later. And that is, again, it's having the, the tires to do so. So those tires will be warm straight away. They will respond straight away. So he's able to then connect with the track. His lock point is is more aggressive because he's got more grip. So he can just break later and go around the outside. So first instinct is, oh, he's just, he's sandwiched Russell. He's turned in on him. Oh, uh, this is an absolute nightmare. And then you're in your fan mode. You're going, do they survive? Do they- I've seen a wheel. I've seen a wheel rolling away. <laughs> Please be Russell's wheel. <laughs> Please be Russell. But that's what you do if you're Start a fan bargaining with the sports
0: gods, yeah, hoping it's not his wheel. <laughs>
1: Please. Please, Pirelli gods, let that be a Russell <laughs> wheel. So, yeah, you see the wheel rolling off. No, it's mm-hmm. Hamilton's. He's in the gravel. It's over and it's gutting. And then you go straight to, like, denial and you go, well, there must be something. There must be some mitigating circumstance. Mm-hmm. Russell must have understood. So, right. you know, I, immediately I'm there just looking at the, any on board I can find on, on Twitter. And it's actually really interesting to look at it from, from Russell's point of view. And he said, I, I was looking forward. Yeah. And he said, I, I, I didn't see Hamilton coming around mm-hmm. the outside. And I think that's what he was on the radio. He was genuinely going, I think this might have been my fault because I wasn't looking and I, I didn't mm. see him. But it's fair because I, I think had Hamilton got there even a little bit earlier, Russell, Russell would have gone, well, I'm, I'm behind and I'm sandwiched. So it was Russell's front left, Hamilton's Back, rear right. right. Yeah. And Hamilton's even got his nose ahead of Verstappen by the point of the mm-hmm. contact. That's how big the overspeed was. Yeah. I think a, a tiniest bit more time and Russell just breaks a little more because they're not they're not on full break. They're not like full break pressure. You know, he, 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 he backs out of that and just survives. And I think that's what he would have wanted to do. But Hamilton just appeared, like he said, out of nowhere. It was it was I think it was it's a legitimate move, uh, but he just didn't leave Russell the time and space to do but- anything.
0: And I think the space is the big thing, right? Because he did. He had plenty of space out into the left. And, and of course, Lewis is going to want to take the the line that's going to give him the best positioning because he's on those soft tires. And like you said, he has to take full advantage of that right had from to. the get go. But he had at least a car length out to his, out to his left. No, and if you give no. George a few more inches there, I, I think this is I like know, a totally so fine thing and nothing happens.
1: I think there's a an older racer mentality about owning the corner, which I don't I don't think gets talked about too much now. But he, he would have gone, well, I've I've got, you know, my rear tire is, is past his front tire. I own the corner. And let's say that was on the apex and he'd gotten around to that position. I think most people would go, yes, it's up to that inside car is you can't go any further, right? You have to pull out because you've you've lost the corner. But I just don't think that applies here. I think you just you can't drive into a space where there's two cars and that's essentially what he's done today and it's, it's rare i think the last time we saw him do it maybe it was 2022 spa and he did that on alonso um, you know alonso was really fighting keeping his foot in going into lacombe but again he's just turned in he's he's thought i'm past, and the move's done and it and it hasn't been so that's why he seemed surprised and blamed russell to start with because as far as he's concerned the move's done then i got punted what's going on but mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and unfortunately that's that's um, that's all on Hamilton. But you've got to wonder, you know, what 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 was the conversation at Mercedes? Like, surely the conversation was, you give each other like a car's width right. everywhere because what what a waste. Russell could easily have been second. I think Hamilton's strategy was probably a bit doomed. But yeah, what what a what a throwaway waste in a in a battle for P two against Ferrari.
0: Yeah, both of their radio messages were were really tough, Lewis. Yeah, it just sounded completely resigned to it. George was furious that, you know, for his second or, you know, for the second time in recent weeks, he's gotten taken out that the last time was, was his fault to be fair, but it was, it was rough. And and I, I'm really curious to see what this does to these two going forward. I I don't imagine it will change anything for Lewis. I think Lewis will do what Lewis is going to do. He sounded more upset about, the, the team losing out on points today and, you know, all of the people who work back home in the factory and then, you know, them losing out on things that seemed to be what his main issue was today. But George keeps trying to prove himself against Lewis and keeps trying to, you know, advance and, and be up there on the podiums and to really be fighting and and in the weeds on it. And it, 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 that mentality might be hurting him. (laughs)
1: It's going gonna, it's gonna to be super, super, super harsh to put any blame at all on, on Russell in this situation, except to go, well, if they'd have had this chat, you know, in, in the garage and you see Hamilton clearly with that overspeed and he's on softer tires, like surely the chat should have been, if you're anywhere near the vicinity, mm-hmm. let Lewis go. He's not, he's not on the same right. strategy as you. Um, so I, I wonder if there's, you know, you could say a little bit of both of them over fighting each other and the team mm-hmm. hasn't yet cottoned onto it. Because yeah. if you look at the last few races, they they have got sights on just beating each other over over everything at the moment.
0: Yeah, it's difficult. This episode is brought to you by ArmorAll. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use ArmorAll to prep their team vehicles, from interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner. ArmorAll, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this, now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armoral's website after you buy. Visit Armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions. This episode is brought to you by Mobile One. The Mobile One brand knows podcasts are a great escape. You can listen to people talking about living and maybe even driving, but of course, there's no substitute for the real thing. So the next time you're looking for an escape, try an actual escape. Take this podcast for a ride in the car and immerse yourself in the drive, because sometimes the best way to escape reality is to truly live in it. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Visit loveofdriving.us slash the ringer to learn more. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about what should have been the biggest F1 news of the weekend, even if it felt largely inevitable since probably right after Miami. And that is Max winning his third driver's championship, his third straight driver's championship. This now puts him in the company of figures like Jackie Stewart, Nikki Lauda, Nelson Piquet, Arden Senna. He won during the sprint race on Saturday, which We were talking on Saturday and I said that he should have tried to throw the race to win on Sunday (laughs) to give it the proper the proper due and to be able to have really the proper celebration because I imagine it's really hard to be especially excited and celebratory on a Saturday when you know you have to race in a Grand Prix on a Sunday, but he still would have needed a good result from Checo and of course, uh, Checo got into a disappointing accident with Kevin Magnuson and Esteban Ocon and didn't finish the sprint. hulkenberg
1: hulkenberg hulkenberg yes
0: sorry hulkenberg but what will you remember most about this season from max overall and and this championship
1: to verstappen fans listening like enjoy that that you know that level of of domination was earned in uh, pre-season you know and it's one they 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 came out they they designed the car and it was almost fated from the early races that they were going to win this title so once the car developed away from Perez or whatever is going on with Sergio Perez. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, when it was clear that there was no challenge from Perez. Because look, he finished P12 today and it, and it looked to be like a good P12. I think it was P12. Ten. Ten ultimately because of
0: some penalties.
1: He, he had three. Did he, did he survive? Okay, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, but well, when you Lan- see Lance,
0: Lance had a penalty late that dropped him down below.
1: So, so yes. whatever has happened uh, I would love to read Perez's memoirs at some point <laughs> but whatever has gone on there it, it hasn't been the case that the full on in every car gap between Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez is is that you know that if they go out and now get get dumped into identical McLarens you would still probably put Verstappen you'd rate him to be the quicker driver yes. I just don't believe that Perez would be this far behind if you just dump them both in equal cars in another car. So I'm not saying the cars aren't equal. I don't know what's going on, but there's something odd. So from a a team point of view, from like an Adrian Newey point of view, they've pulled an absolute blinder. It's been brilliant. Verstappen has been robbed in a way because he hasn't had to do to fight like he fought in 2021 or even Mm -hmm. in the early part of last season uh, against the Ferraris. And it sort of meant something a little bit more, a little bit more special, a little bit more of like a release of energy at the end that you, you did it. But this was inevitable mm-hmm. from like Monaco. And in fact, yeah. probably that, that race in Miami where Perez was leading yep. and then mm-hmm. from nowhere, he's leading the race. He's on pole, he's leading the race. And then Verstappen yeah. from like P10, P10 not only catches him, but flies past him. You go, oh, st- that's it. That's, that's it. That's game over. So from mm-hmm. that moment, they knew they'd won. So I don't think it mattered whether it was the Saturday or Sunday. There's no big release moment, you know. They keep trying to hype it up at the end of the race. Max, you did it! I can't. Wow! I, I don't. Oh, I'm lost for words. I'm like, you know, they keep. You've got to try and keep that energy up. But it it was uh-huh. already won. So it's obviously not going to win as mean as much or be as exciting. But they can certainly revel in the success of the last seven or eight seasons, where even when they weren't the fastest car, they were probably one of at least the top two at developing in season and during that time Verstappen kept putting teammates to the sword and making sure that he was the number one driver and he's always Mm -hmm. the driver you know on the on the engineers and the team bosses minds so it's it's a culmination of that all that hard work they got to the point where they could just topple Mercedes and then they've overshot that by by a long way and they've probably got enough in the bag to resist a Ferrari or Mercedes resurgence next season and the season afterwards. So we're just witnessing one of the great team driver combinations. This is now on path to be Schumacher-Ferrari. This is on path to be Hamilton-Mercedes. We're in one of those eras. It's spectacular.
0: Yeah, I I think it's really easy to kind of put all of the, you know, congratulations on the Red Bull car. And, and I think to a certain degree, obviously that's rightfully so. This is a a rocket ship of a car. And I think even Max would say that. But I also saw a, a tweet today that said that if Max wins the remaining five races of this season, that he will surpass Sir Sebastian Vettel's career Grand Prix wins level, which is I think a remarkable achievement. Max is 26 years old, which is really crazy to say that he has been in F1 now for what is it? Eight or nine years. Didn't he start when he was 18 years old? So I I think that he is really kind of finding new levels within himself and, you know, able to keep it as consistent as he has able to push teammates in the way that he has. Of course, we didn't see that so much this season, but, going forward, you know, whether it's Checo in the car next year, whether it's Daniel Ricciardo, whether it's who knows what Red Bull is going to do, because they'll do whatever they're going to do. I I just fully expect that Max will not be thrown by anything that else that comes his way, as long as he has a car that he can put forward. I think it's, it's going to be really, really interesting. And I can't wait to watch it. I hope that there's a better challenger out there (laughs) next year, because uh, it certainly doesn't seem like that's going to come within Red Bull.
1: I, yeah, if, If Vettel had had the amount of races this season that in say 2013, if there was there's 23 this season, 19 in 2013, if there had been four more races in 2013, Vettel would have won four more races in 2013, and we could probably say the same in 2017 as well. So some of those record comparisons can sometimes, to me, feel a little strained. It's like when they compare points. Ah, I've scored the most points ever. Yeah, because they're. There used to be 10 points for a win and you had to finish first to get any points. Um, so, yeah, I'm not excited by that. But Max Verstappen fans, soak this in, enjoy it, um, because I, I hope that all the Max Verstappen fans that flooded into Formula One um, because of Max hang around when it's not going like that for Max or if Max retires. And, you know, this sport, this sport doesn't always dish you up your favorite driver on a podium, uh, on, a, on a win, and in a championship.
0: Do you think F1 will try to do anything going forward to have yeah. these wins not come on a Saturday? Do you think they oh. care?
1: Oh, I don't think it matters.
0: It was, it was a shame for
1: Piastri because he, he, oh, it's my first West win. <laughs> the FIA, FOM did not care at all. It got completely no. completely over, over, overwritten. I don't think it matters. I think they needed to sort out what was more important. So a lot of times when I think Lewis Hamilton won two championships where he wasn't on the podium and they kind of tried to give him the championship and, and also focus on what was going on on the podium. You've got to decide which one's more important. And I think it's always the champion. So whatever happens, wherever the champion seals it, even if it means getting the podium to wait a little while, just focus on, on the championship. That's what it's all about.
0: Yeah. I personally found it kind of boring because it felt like the sprint race is over and then attention immediately shifts to the Grand Prix for Sunday. And so it just felt like, I don't know, very anticlimactic to me. But um You
1: wanted him to have a party to celebrate, didn't you? That's what you Yeah,
0: I, I want everyone to have a party. I love when Super Bowl winners have like a parade here and they go through the crowd and it's like a days-long thing where they go and meet with the president and they celebrate with all of the fans and they, you know, the trophy travels around. I love that stuff. It's great. I think more of that should happen. Um, so yeah, it happening on a Saturday. Real bummer for me personally, as someone who you enjoys are. celebration. The last thing that I have is a, a bit of a bummer, and maybe you have something more celebratory that we can end on afterwards. But I feel like we have to discuss Lance Stroll's weekend of events. Ooh. Um, he went out in Q1 during Friday's qualifying, was obviously very upset afterwards, went into the Aston Martin garage. And was shown on video kind of shoving his trainer as he tried to walk out through the back of the garage um it seemed that his trainer was trying to get him to exit a different way because drivers are supposed to go get weighed by the FIA after a session and that was down through the pit lane instead of the way that he was trying to exit he did some interviews afterwards where he spoke and I believe ESPN said he spoke eight words in total during the interview um which is just not a great look after you know what you're seeing on video kind of arguing with people in your, your own garage. Uh, that was also Lance's fourth straight Q1 exit. And today was his fourth race with no points. He spoke after the sprint race and was asked about, you know, his previous interview and the outburst. And he said, quote, we're in a rut and yeah, it's not getting better. And yeah, frustration is just in the whole group right now. We want to do better. We want to get better, but it's just a struggle. He also said that his relationship with his trainer was quote good. And it seemed like they, you know, have maybe talked through some of what happened there, but it's, it's been a really bad last couple of months for Lance, four straight points with no races or four straight races with no points, excuse me. And he's also 10th in the driver's standing for the car that uh, should be capable of much more as we've seen out of Fernando Alonso. What did this weekend his attitude this weekend his performance this weekend signal to you spanners
1: i i don't like lance stroll particularly i'm not a fan of his i, I feel bad for him now the situation he finds himself in it's the old turtle on, turtle on a fence post you know you come you're driving along and you, you see a, a turtle on a fence post and you just go you know the arms and legs are flapping around and you go you don't know how he got there you know you, you know he didn't get there by himself he doesn't belong there. Someone put him there. He doesn't not know what to do while he's up there. And all you want to do is just, just help the turtle get down off of the post. And, and that's how I feel with, with Lance Stroll. He's been put now in a horrible position. He's been told his whole life he's going to be in F1. He's going to do well in F1. He's going to be a, a champion. And it's down to how his career has been managed, I'm assuming, by Lawrence Stroll. It's actually been, up to this point, managed pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I always think of these teammate driver pairings as like a a, a a boxer, yeah? So with a boxer, the reputation is hurt a lot if you lose. So they don't go and put him straight up against the contender and then, you know, the, the champ and then get beaten up and then work their way back out. You know, they're careful with who they pitch, the, pitch their boxer against. And in the junior series, you know, you heard a lot of reports about very compliant drivers that were there very much to support Lance Mm -hmm. Stroll obviously then he gets you know unprecedented testing time and practice time because they can hire Anthony Davison and an old Williams to go and teach him how to drive F1 and you go okay well then you get into F1 and they put him in against I think he's Sorokin I think might have been his first teammate I might be misremembering that but you know he doesn't look bad so he doesn't look completely out of his his depth and Mm -hmm. then he goes up against uh, Perez but he's soundly beaten by Perez but it wasn't Humiliating. People were still talking about him as if he had some, you know, some talent. Mm -hmm. He got that pole position. I think I I can't remember what it was. But then in the race, he he dropped back, and he just he dropped back. It was bad tire management. At no point did we see any contact. But then they said, "Oh no, he had floor damage." Okay, then that's fine. And then they did the genius hire of Sebastian Vettel, a a decorated but beatable Mm -hmm. former world four time world champion, and he looked grand. He looked fine he looked like he was battling and fighting with Vettel they must have thought they must have thought that put him at near championship level because why on earth do you bring Fernando Alonso in they must have thought mm-hmm. that he was going to survive and be okay if not beat Fernando Alonso that might be a bit ambitious but not get a drubbing not get a drubbing race after race not your teammates in Q3 and you can't get out of Q1 for five qualifyings in a row they can't have seen this coming and if Stroll was told he would be able to battle Alonso, he must be devastated now because it's it's it, it, the 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 emperor's clothes are off or whatever is the analogy like it, <laughs> project Stroll now nobody can say right he's up there top top level like it's it's mm-hmm. he's having as bad a season as Perez if you like and you, what do you do now do, do, I think you have to quit and go right well that's a, it's a bust you can't put him up against Alonso for another season because you're just going to it's just going to be the same for another season. You you could manufacture an Alonso fallout. I don't think that would be the hardest thing to do in the world. I think that would be relatively easy. I could come in for a week, I think manufacture a fallout between Alonso and Aston Martin and then they could get someone else in. Or or you quit. I think that's the only choices. So you get rid of Alonso um or you quit. Now, that's the only way forward and his frustration bubbled over to an un- let's be clear, you know, in sport Things get hit up, people do mm-hmm. things, people kick chairs, throw stuff at the wall, punch holes in the wall. Aggressive hands on your trainer, are completely unacceptable. I'm, I'm betting he feels awful about that. Let's mm-hmm. hope there's been an apology behind the scenes. And then a really, really, really dire attitude to professional journalists trying to do their job. Uh, Luke Smith did a great tweet that said, you know, after Sunday's qualify, after the, the sprint race, he then he, uh, he doubled his word count to 19 and uh, did a little did a little graph showing the difference between the interviews so yeah all round performance stinks attitude stinks and i think it's over it's time
0: he was asked on saturday whether he wanted to continue racing in formula one and he said that he did and that he was uh still fully invested in competing in formula one whether that you know, remains to be the case after the remaining five races of this year and an off season, we will see. Um, But if he is content on going forward, something within Aston Martin has to change, as you said. And I, I, with the kind of results that Fernando Alonso was putting up, I, I have a hard time imagining that they're very eager to, to kick him out of the team, given that you know all the podiums that he had going up at the start of this season yeah. and you know <laughs> money and sponsorships that that gives you and all of that kind of stuff if but, you put but vettel back the comparison back, between the two is tough yeah.
1: if you put vettel back now in alonso's seat i think that looks like a, a much worse car i think that looks like a yeah. a, a back running car now Yes. Uh, yeah, Alon- yeah. Alonso's obviously top level. Um, he's in- when he did that crash mid race, he's obviously cost himself a few places. I yeah. was so confused. He goes through the gravel, and then suddenly he looks like he's back on track.
0: And he, he, you know, he was sit- on a runoff road. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but it was not. It's like an entry road or something. But yeah, like, yeah. I, and then he so swerved confused. right
0: in front of Charles Leclerc, and that's why he has a lovely meeting oh. with the stewards today.
1: <laughs> but you you watch all the camera angles throughout the course of the weekend, so you kind of get familiar with mm-hmm. the track and what it looks like. And then he's on a bit of track, and you go, I don't recognise that. Where is he? <laughs> what? What? Tra-? And then suddenly he pops out in front of the Ferrari, and go, whoa! That was yeah. very nearly, very nearly an accident there.
0: Well, that's why when they showed the initial replay and he was in the middle of the gravel, because, you know, they kind of pan out toward the top. and then he starts driving forward, I was like, "Why is he not trying to turn back toward the track?" And then, yeah, a piece of road appears out of nowhere, like, <laughs> yeah. like some some like God motorway. just placed yeah. it there and and was like, "Here you go." And, yeah, very wild. Also very funny day from him when he was asking for water to be dumped on him oh. during during his pit stop.
1: It looked brutal at that. It looked absolutely brutal. So, like, Verstappen who you rarely see him showing signs of fatigue he was yep. fully just on the f- on the ground mm-hmm. in the in the cool down room Piastri spent the whole in the whole of that cool down period he was just flat on his back until yeah. they said like who was the crash up front and they went oh yeah it's uh, it was Russell and Hamilton it went Russell <laughs> and Hamilton together and he just sat up and went <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, laid he laid back down again <laughs>
0: I thought that was Max laughing at first. And I was like, oh, that no, seems like Piastri. a little bit out of character. And yeah, yeah, very yeah, funny. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think it's in character for Piastri. I think he's very dry <laughs> and he's very chill. But I think he has got a very kind of dry and sharp sense of humor. He's keeping it kind of to himself. But yeah, I think uh, look out for, it's not an on the nose humor like Lando Norris, but he's a, he's a funny lad. I think we'll see mm-hmm. more of that.
0: Um, which North American driver would you least want to be at this point or, or which which position i guess among the north american drivers would you least want to be in because we had another bad weekend from Checo. we had a crash from logan Sargent in the sprint race and he retired during the race feeling ill from i assume the effects of the heat is what it sounded like and we've it's it's been kind of a rough month for all all three of those guys too
1: okay so actually lance stroll apparently was stumbling as well uh, towards the the end of the race Logan Mm. Sargent says he's feeling sick tried to carry on ended up retiring with Mm -hmm. 15 laps to go and was very very angry with himself
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because okay and this does go down to you know you know some machismo on the surface it doesn't look good to call in sick at work in an f1 car and have to go right just i just can't do it anymore and actually to the point where when he was just coming in on his in lap he didn't just come in he was like slowing down Mm -hmm. causing yellows i think i think he had yellows at one point yeah letting people past so he could get in so he was obviously in a very very bad way and it 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 didn't look good until you saw all the other drivers getting out of the car and then there was other telltale things like george russell was putting his hands in the air to catch Mm -hmm. the airflow to to cool his hands down. I've never yeah. seen that. And they were and all literally. And Lando their, were yeah, yeah,
0: cracking their visors a little bit, trying, trying to get the yeah. 200 mile an hour air rush to go through.
1: And Alonso was asking for water to be poured on him to try and yeah. cool down. So it was yeah. clearly like intense heat. And they've always mm-hmm. talked about Singapore as being the most heat intense with the, I guess, humidity uh, as mm-hmm. well. So maybe the Qatar Grand Prix was actually hard. Piastri said it was the hardest Grand Prix. That he'd gone through, so you kind of go, okay. I think Sergeant gets a a pass here, but Mm -hmm. the reason he will have been worried is because you're not supposed to to call in sick. You're not supposed to quit. You're never meant to give up. And you know, there's I was arguing with myself. Well, that all that was happening because there's the the dad in me that's like, mate safety first. I love safety. Mm -hmm. Like I do. I do. I just want everyone to get through that safely. Let's not take unnecessary risks. And then, like me from 2002 was going. Dude, come on, just shake it off. You've got fifteen well, laps left
0: and and I imagine he was going through the same thing, which is why I he bet, was I so bet. insistent at one point on staying out when you know James Valls was getting on the radio saying if you because it sounded like and and we didn't hear this radio message, but it sounded like he was saying you know he felt like he was going to be sick in the car and you know, it was just really kind of physically dehydrated and exhausted. And even his team principal was like, if if you don't feel like you can continue, then you should stop because I mean, worst case scenario is that something happens, you know, you faint or something happens while you're on track. And then it's really unsafe for not only you, but for the rest of the drivers. And, you know, it kind of tumbles on down the line, but yeah, I mean, like you said, he was very frustrated with himself. But then they showed a video of him trying to climb out of the car, and he had to kind of sit on the halo for a few seconds. Seemed quite disoriented. Uh, thankfully, it sounds like he's going to be fine. And doctors came through and checked him out, and he, you know, seems like it's mostly dehydration. But yeah, among those three, who I, would you
1: who do you would you not want to be? <laughs> you're giving me a, you're not giving me great choices there, have you?
0: Yeah, I I think I would most want to. This is tough because I don't want to be Landstroll, Stroll, but I think being in Aston Martin is probably the best situation out of the three. But all, all three, I, I'm worried about all three of their seats for 2024.
1: Are any of them going to be in that seat that they're in in 2025? I think you know. So it's who's going to cling on for a little bit. Uh, Perez yeah. is cooked. Perez is cooked. They're staying together for, for the kids. And now <laughs> they're, they're even thinking about what the divorce lawyers will say. So they're starting to, you know, make recordings at home and make their case and, you know, starting to point out Perez's bad habits and how, you know, he's no good. So, and I think that will come out when they decide to replace him early in the season, next season, they'll go, oh, you know, we gave him every chance, but look, it's gone, you know, it's gone this way. So yeah. we've, got, we've, got to, we've got to bring Ricardo in. We've got no choice. Lawson comes in, although apparently I've heard rumours that there's new negotiations now with Williams. So I don't know where mm. the the jiggery goes around with that, but maybe they start Sergeant at the start of the season, and they and they have a similar excuse where they find a reason to get rid of him. But James mm-hmm. Vowles gave himself so many outs when he was talking about whether he was going to keep Logan Sergeant. He was like, "Of course, we want to keep Logan Sergeant. <laughs> he has some specific targets to meet." Um, but then, but, you know, he didn't meet them again because he crashed out in the in the sprint race. Yes, and um, you know, not all sympathy aside for for what he went through today
0: Mm -hmm.
1: i wasn't even like annoyed or upset or anything when he crashed in the sprint race i just genuinely thought to myself i'm bored of watching logan Sargent crash i'm bored of there being another red flag or another safety car because of logan Sargent."
0: it's not even fun to talk about the dysfunction at this point because it happens so often there's there's really nothing new to say and and the crash wasn't a result of you know him tangling with another car it was it was just a mistake and he has made far too many of those as much as it pains me to say
1: i want to see albon against up against someone good i, I want yeah, to see albon have too. a chance to, yeah i mean he was racing brilliantly today um there was a couple there was a couple of really good you know sequences of overtakes today so i think it was sonoda uh, versus was it sonoda versus albon that that you know some really good mm-hmm. you know, attacking Back i think it forth. was yeah, I think Albon had come out of the pits and tried to defend, but Sonoda mm-hmm. was really aggressive. You know, that's a matchup I wouldn't mind seeing. You know, can we, yeah. can we see Albon and Sonoda in a, in a car together? I don't really want to see Albon versus you know Sargent or Alonso versus Stroll. Put a young talent in against Alonso in that Aston Martin car. That would be much more interesting. So I think at the moment, North America, I am, I am sorry, but you're, you're two pay drivers, you're two buy-in drivers, and I definitely am sticking to my guns. Logan Sargent is a pay driver in every traditional me- sent, you know, meaning of that word. Your two pay drivers, just at the moment, they shouldn't be there. And Perez has found himself in a horrible situation. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe Perez and Sonoda are Aston Martin uh, next season. Or if they give up and sell to Andretti. Because Andretti don't look like they're going to get their fresh entry. So I think they're, they're hovering around. Wait, I think they would prefer to have Andretti on the back burner to, to buy an existing entry. I think that's the way you Americans like to do things with your franchises. But yeah, I think the, um, at the moment, the three North American drivers are kind of taking away what we could be seeing, say, at the front. because uh, mm-hmm. you know, can, we, can we put Norris in there to, just to see? Um, I'm not right. convinced anyone could beat Verstappen in that Red Bull. But yeah, so I, I don't want to choose any. If I had to choose one, I suppose <laughs> you'd choose Lance Stroll because he can just have tea at home. He can have supper with the boss with the big boss, and talk about what he wants. So he's probably got his future more in his hands than the others.
0: But is it worse to have a kind of normal team principal disappointed in you or to have your dad disappointed in you? Listen, Lance. The the emotional ramifications of that would be, could be tough.
1: Listen, Lance, Um, I've bought you a team. (laughs) I bought you this nice steak. Why aren't you performing? People (laughs) are calling you a turtle on a post in podcasts. (laughs)
0: Is Lawrence Stroll lightly Russian now? Is that what? Oh,
1: no, is? I thought that was brilliant. Rate uh, <laughs> my impression of Lawrence Stroll. As you, you people, you people so kindly gave us so many great reviews on Spotify and the other platform. And if you could keep that going, that would be so fantastic. Five-star reviews really, really help podcast visibility.
0: Yes, yes, they do. Um, is there anything else you wanted to hit on from this weekend?
1: I just didn't want there after the announcement there to be then a scramble to enforce artificial pit stops because Mm. on the surface it breaks up the race. However, you're taking away the opportunity for tire wear to be a factor and tire wear is so integral into this sport now that you would have to do something drastic to take away the tire wear element by enforcing extra pit stops because you're making all the stink lengths shorter So you're taking that element away. You would need to do something drastic in order to bring those in. So you may as well not have wearing tires and and different compounds because it would be pretty much worthless. Uh, Well, no, you could still have, yeah, hard, medium, and soft, but they wouldn't need to wear. It wouldn't matter. Um, But you then, you can't get away with the cars that you've got now. You've got to do something drastic. You've got to make the tires narrow so there's more opportunity for racing or overtaking or groove tires. Just do it. Just, just do it. <laughs> just do Groove Tires. Um, or you've We're got back to, to where going. we
0: started. Groove Tire Talk.
1: <laughs> because you've got to do something. Everyone complains, oh, DRS is artificial. Yeah, do you know what else is artificial? Race cars. So you've got <laughs> to do something to make sure it's not you know, a, a train. Otherwise, it's just the 90s again. And trust me, if we went back to 90s levels of racing, the audience would absolutely disappear. So if mm-hmm. you're not going to do your, your tire wear, you've got to find something else. And, and it probably means making cars half the weight, which they're never going to do. Um, or it means doing something drastic with the tires. Or it means stripping down the aero to brutal levels, which I also think that they, they won't do. So in a way, I'm glad that the enforced stops didn't make it a crazy, memorable, all-time classic. Yeah. Because then you know there would have been a, a knee-jerk reaction for next season. <gasps> right, that's it. Mandatory two stops.
0: So this is a message to F1 and Liberty Media to say that if you try to enforce mandatory stops, Spanners and I will picket outside of your headquarters.
1: Well, where is it? Because you know I'm in the UK. Is it? Is it, is it UK? If it's not far, so, th- so this if, is
0: not the hill that you're willing to die on.
1: This. No, well, if it's in, if it's really convenient, I'll do it. But like if it's if like driving
0: distance, you'll if go. they schedule
1: it on a Tuesday when I've got to take the kids swimming, I'm uh, probably not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna make that one. So.
0: Some really really strong uh, strong viewpoints being expressed here. Thank you, Spanners, for joining. Thanks to Erica Cervantes and Chloe Clark for the production help, and thanks everyone for listening. This has been the Ringer F1 Show. We will be back soon.
1: This episode is brought to you by State Farm.